Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. After two legislative years overshadowed by the COVID-19 pandemic, 2022 has been a productive lawmaking year. How productive? Governor Gavin Newsom signed nearly 1,000 new bills into law, 997 to be exact. That's compared to 770 last year. The state was able to pass major laws related to a number of top issues, including homelessness, housing, and gun safety. And though he continues to insist that he's not interested in running for president in 2024, some of the new laws Newsom has signed reflect some of his political ambitions, establishing California as a progressive leader on a number of issues that the country's divided on, including abortion and justice reform. Today on Fifth Emission, we're going to break down 14 new laws that go into effect in the new year with the help of Chronicle political reporters Dustin Gardner and Sophia Bolag. They'll explain some of the big swings the state is making in 2023 and some of the smaller laws you should also know about, things that deal with jaywalking, the sales of fur, and my personal favorite holiday. Dustin, Sophia, welcome to Fit the Mission. Let's kick off with you, Sophia, starting with abortion. So during the midterms, California voters overwhelmingly voted to enshrine abortion rights and contraceptive use in the state. Now, in 2023, a new law will go into effect that will help expand abortion access, including for people who will travel from states where the procedure is now illegal. Tell me about it. California lawmakers this year actually passed more than a dozen new laws that are designed to help people obtain abortions. And some of those have already taken effect because once the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, lawmakers rushed to add what's called urgency clauses to some of those measures. But one that will take effect next year will allow nurse practitioners to perform first trimester abortions without needing a doctor to supervise them. That's one way that California lawmakers are are trying to make it easier for people to get abortions here, whether they already live in California or travel to California specifically to get the procedure. So it's about expanding the number of people in the state who can provide those services quickly, right? Yes, exactly. Now, Dustin, speaking of healthcare, we're still in a pandemic, whether people believe it or not. And COVID misinformation continues to be a problem. And even though Twitter just ended its ban on COVID misinformation thanks to its new leadership, California doctors are going to face consequences if they spread incorrect claims about things like COVID vaccines. Why? Yes. So while it's getting easier to spread misinformation on social media in some cases, it's actually going to be harder for doctors to do that and keep their professional licenses. This bill creates a process where it'll be easier for the state medical board to discipline or potentially revoke the licenses of doctors who spread misinformation about COVID-19. And this could be misinformation about vaccines or treatments or just you know the nature of the virus. And this bill does that by defining such activities 
is unprofessional conduct under state law, which creates an avenue where the medical board can go and discipline someone or take away their license. And this bill did get through, but I will note that there were a host of other COVID and vaccine-related bills this year. Most of the major bills did not pass. There were bills dealing with things like vaccine mandates for students in school or vaccine mandates in workplaces. Those bills died, but this one did get through dealing with uh, discipline for doctors who spread misinformation. Sophia, an issue that has gotten a lot of attention recently is mental illness in the homeless population. Last week, New York Mayor Eric Adams announced a really aggressive approach to involuntarily hospitalize people who may be too ill to care for themselves. That's stirring a ton of controversy. And California is going to address the problem in another way in late 2023. How? California's new law also ultimately aims to get people into treatment, although I would characterize it as less aggressive than the plan that's been announced in New York. Essentially, California's new law will create a new path called Care Court for people like family members and community members to ask a judge to refer people with severe psychotic disorders into treatment, not Everybody who might become involved with care court is homeless, but many people in this population do struggle with homelessness or are at risk of becoming homeless. And so it's really a measure that California's governor, Gavin Newsom, proposed as a way to deal with really the most visible segment of California's homeless population. So under the new law, judges will order people who are deemed to have these severe psychotic disorders and need help. It will allow judges to order them to participate in treatment plans, and it will also require counties to provide those services to them. San Francisco is one of seven counties that are going to be implementing this new law next year. So San Francisco, along with the other six counties, are scheduled to begin their care court programs by October of next year. Dustin, let's turn our attention to labor and wages now. That's an issue that's been getting a lot of attention recently. You see academic workers have been striking and negotiating for weeks now. And usually issues around labor are about earning a living wage in a very expensive state. How will minimum wage in California change next year? So we're finally going to get to the $15 minimum wage for all workers throughout the state. Um, There are a few exceptions, but generally most workers will be at that rate. And this is the final year of a seven-year phase plan. Last year, the the $15 minimum wage expanded to employees of large businesses, those with 26 or more employees. And then this year, it's going to expand to employees of small businesses that have 25 or fewer employees. And this plan was passed back in 2016. Then State Senator Mark Leno, the longtime leader from San Francisco, he passed this bill. But I will note that since that bill passed, a lot of localities across the Bay Area and across the state have created higher local minimum wages and ramped up local efforts. In San Francisco, for example, the minimum wage is now $16.99. So there is a higher floor for the state, um, but a lot of localities are actually going beyond that at this point. Sophia, something really interesting is happening in the state next year that aims to close wage gaps between women and people of color and their white male counterparts. California employers will now have to include pay scales in their job postings. 
That seems really huge. Tell me more about that. Yeah, the aim of this new law really is to try to close the wage gap. And the way it tries to do that is by requiring California employers who have at least 15 employees to include pay scales when they post new jobs. The law will also require employers to provide pay scale information to employees if they ask for it. So the idea is that if there's more transparency around salary, that will allow people to figure out if they're being underpaid and to advocate for higher wages for themselves. Mm. Now, Dustin, since we're talking about employment and equity, a key barrier to employment in the state for many, many Californians are their past criminal records. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill this fall that would allow rap sheets to be shielded from the public view. California is the first state in the country to do something like this. Why is it a big deal? This is a big deal because we have 8 million Californians. That's one in five residents that have a prior conviction or prior arrest on their record. And so this law would create an avenue where the court system could shield that record from view. So essentially, it wouldn't come up in a criminal background check. And this affects people in many, many facets of their lives. As I covered this bill, I talked to a lot of people that had a prior conviction or had done time. And they talked about how many years, sometimes decades after, you know, they'd served their time and completed probation, that their record was surfacing in things like job interviews or housing applications to rent an apartment, and even things as personal as like their ability to coach uh, their child's sports team or to be a chaperone on a school field trip for their child or to care for an elderly grandparent and get state assistance for doing that. Mm -hmm. So this was really personal for the millions of people affected. And the way the bill works is the state would automatically electronically seal those records. They would still be visible to a judge, but they would just be shielded from any sort of criminal background check that, that might come up. There are some significant exceptions to the bill, however. It wouldn't apply to serious violent crimes like murder. It wouldn't apply to kidnapping. And it wouldn't apply to any crimes that require someone to register as a sex offender. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. On the issue of economic uncertainty, Sophia, another affordability issue that people are concerned about in the state is housing. Governor Gavin Newsom is holding local governments accountable to meeting housing targets for the first time. There's a statewide goal of reaching 2.5 million new units by 2030. And local assembly member Buffy Wicks led a bill to help streamline housing development, and it goes into effect next year. Tell me about it. This bill really aims to speed up the approval process for new housing projects in urban areas like vacant parking lots, strip malls, office parks, sort of commercial areas like that. And to qualify for streamlined approval, projects do need to meet some requirements, including that at least 15% of the units in those projects need to be designated as affordable. The law would also impose some requirements around how much workers are paid. Essentially, workers would need to be paid what are known as prevailing 
wages and developers would also need to offer health benefits to workers in order to qualify for this streamlined approval process. Dustin, talking about something else now, State Senator Scott Weiner advocated to repeal a 1995 law that made it illegal to loiter in public with the intent to sell sex. It's been a controversial bill that divided Democrats, sex workers, and advocates. It ended up passing. Tell me more about what it will do. So essentially, police could no longer arrest someone or cite them or detain them simply because the officer perceives that the person is walking the street with the intent to sell sex. That that had been the law for decades, and it gave police a lot of latitude to make those kind of subjective decisions about who they think is or isn't a sex worker. And this was a big concern for a lot of people in the LGBT community because they said this law was effectively a walking while trans ban. Um, That's what it became known as because it allowed officers to target trans women and women of color in particular for things like how they dress for wearing, you know, platform high heels or fishnets Mm. or where they're walking on the street or standing on the street. Prostitution is still illegal, but officers will have to observe a crime in progress or they'll have to have more evidence beyond, you know, the way they think someone looks or acts to arrest them for that type of a crime. But yeah, as you said, this did divide Democrats and activists. There was some concern from anti-trafficking advocates that this bill would make it easier for pimps and others to keep people stuck in the sex trade. But a lot of sex workers were in support of this bill. And State Senator Scott Weiner from San Francisco, he actually held the bill back for almost a year after it passed. And then he, he finally sent it to the governor's desk last summer And during that time, advocates were really lobbying the governor and trying to build up support. And it kind of went down to the wire. And at the last minute, the governor decided to sign it. Now, Sophia, let's turn our attention to another issue that's been top of mind, especially in recent months, which is gun safety. Companies that make or sell illegal firearms in California could now face lawsuits thanks to two new laws. Interestingly, one of them is modeled after Texas's unprecedented abortion law, which allows citizens to sue anyone who helps someone obtain abortion services. Tell me more about this model and the other law related to gun safety. The Texas law you mentioned was kind of an attempted end run around the federal court system by uh, putting enforcement of this law into private citizens' hands so it was harder to challenge it in court. And Newsom, in response to that law, he really came out very strongly against it and announced that in response, he was going to essentially propose his own law that tried to use the same mechanism to implement gun control. This new law aims to let people sue gun makers who are selling weapons that are illegal in California, like ghost guns and assault weapons. Another similar law will allow people and local governments and the state attorney general to file lawsuits against gun makers for harm caused by their products if they have broken the state's laws, including the state's gun control laws. So basically two ways for people to sue gun makers in an attempt to reduce gun violence. Okay, Dustin, so by my count, we've hit on 10 new laws going into effect in 2023. Hit me with two more. What else is there? 
There's two interesting ones that were actually passed back in 2019, but they're taking effect this year. There was some delayed implementation. Um, and the first one that I'm watching, it's a ban on new fur clothing. This prohibits retailers and others from manufacturing or selling new pieces of fur. So this is things like meek coats or a chinchilla vest. Basically, Aretha Franklin's probably rolling over in her grave right now. <laughs> and PETA activists are happy, I'm yes, sure. Yes, animal rights activists were very happy about this. Um, and th the way it works is there are some exemptions for used fur clothing. So someone can still sell like a vintage fur coat. And there are exemptions for things like leather or taxidermied animals. But but anything that is essentially an animal's fur that's new is, is no longer legal. The other one that was interesting to me also from 2019 deals with compensation for college athletes. This bill guarantees college athletes the right to make money off of their image and likeness. But in many ways, it's already taken effect in the sense that the NCAA, which had opposed this change for many decades, it was inspired by California's law and has since implemented national rules to allow college athletes to make money off of their endorsements and appearances. Okay, so good news for student athletes and furry animals. Um, Sophia, give us the final two on the list. There's one I believe that I love especially. One other new law essentially decriminalizes jaywalking in a lot of instances. Police officers will no longer be able to cite pedestrians for crossing the street outside of a crosswalk unless they are in immediate danger of being hit by a car. So that's really intended to reduce the number of jaywalking citations that are given out. And then the other new law that we highlighted establishes Lunar New Year as a state holiday. It's going to let state employees take a day off in observation of the Lunar New Year. Lunar New Year is, is typically observed at the end of January or the beginning of February when the first new moon of the year starts. And so the date of the holiday will vary by year, but it will typically correspond with the second new moon following the winter solstice. Does this mean I can get a day off since I celebrate Lunar New Year, or is this only state employees? I think this is only going to be for state employees, but in theory, this law could allow or could prompt private employers to let more employees take the Lunar New Year off. It, it just kind of depends. I, I think that's part of the intent, but this particular law really only applies to state employees. Got it, got it. Time to talk to my bosses, maybe. <laughs> uh, Sophia and Dustin, thank you so much for this helpful rundown. Lots to look for in the new year. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Sophia Bolag and Dustin Gardner are political reporters for The Chronicle. Find their roundup of 14 new laws going into effect in 2023 at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing the episode and to you for listening. <laughs>